good day and welcome to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, with co-host Chris Rickey. And today we have a very special episode, as all our episodes are. Lots of special episodes around here, huh? There is. Have you noticed that? I have. Have you noticed? But it makes me feel good. It is. It is. Um, you know, every, every time we get to sit with an individual who is committed to our city, committed to our county, and to make it a better place, a more equitable place, it's like a wonderful thing. And I think it's not to be taken for granted. So, and I yeah. know our listeners appreciate it. I know I appreciate the time. When people always are, are like, you know, accusing the government of never doing anything, you know, today our guest is one of those people that's like, hey, I recognize a problem in our community and I'm going to try to create a vision to deal with that underlying weakness in our community. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm just going to allow her to speak into our conversation. She's let, we let her speak? You should, yeah, we I should think, do that. I huh? think we should. Yeah, yeah. But that's let me why introduce she's here, huh? her. Um, she's a person who cares about a city and has just taken on a new initiative. Uh, she is the executive director for Stanislaus 2030, introducing Amanda Hughes. Wow, that is the most uh, prolific and kind uh, introduction I think I've ever had. So thank you for, for providing me with that feeling. I'm really uh, privileged to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm grateful for your feeling of, of goodness and warmth. And I think I, I know that after our listeners um, stay tuned for episode, they're going to have that feeling of sensing that, hey, there's some really good things happening. And there's people who care about the people who don't have equal access to good jobs and all the things that Stanislaus 30 um, allowed us to see and now move forward to, to better. So thank you for being a part of that. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Yeah, well, but before we get there, I, I just wanted to, to hear your thoughts um, about kind of yourself a little bit. Um, you know, you've been for, in part of this community for a while. My whole life. Your whole life. It, except for those few years, you know, I left and came back. Yes, of course. It's the journey of a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you went to Modesto High School. I did. Go Panthers. Go go Panthers. Yes. Uh, I'm a Viking, so I say that. I'll forgive you. It's okay. It's a, okay. My wife's a Viking, too. Hey, I respect. <laughs> but your siblings are Panthers. <laughs> they are. So by that, and then also you're here, so I'm like, you know, I'll say go Panthers. Um, I wanted to hear, we were talking about teenagers and how their emotions can be so big and wide. Um, can you share a little bit of what were you like as a teenager, Amanda? What would it look like when your emotions got glittery, as we were talking about? Yeah. Well, I am um, one of three girls. I'm okay. the youngest. And I think that, um, you know, we, we all fit into our roles in a family. And I'm the youngest, you know, of three daughters. And um, I have a lot of women in my family, a lot of aunts. And um, I just really feel like that um, That th those relationships kind of helped inform who I am. Like I can remember so many times being in the kitchen with my grandma and my, my three aunts and my two sisters and my cousins. I mean, we all worked in a store together. Like we had a family business, a gift store. So I spent a lot of time um, as a kid growing up in a, in a gift store, you know, and, and, and with my mom and my grandma and my aunts. And I was definitely, um, a pretty loud. <laughs> I feel like as the youngest kid, you have to like create that energy so people pay attention to you. And um, I also, when I think about my relationship growing up in school, and I went to Prescott, and then I went to Modesto High. 
um, we moved at, when I was a kid across town. And so I had to like go through that process of making friends again oh, yeah. and that feeling of, of like not really having that deep connection to people. And it, it was the most stressful time in my life because I think my superpower is being in community with people. Mm. And I had to like reinvent that. And I remember that feeling of loneliness and um, nervousness. And I, I think about that all the time now and like that sense of belonging and trying mm. to create that when I'm with others because I, I just remember that feeling. And so, yeah, I, I'm a highly relational person and uh, I, I definitely feel that's a big part of, of the work that I do today. Yeah, well, you definitely bring cheer into the room <laughs> and, and uh, a nice smile into the space. So thank you, Amanda. Oh. Uh, I, I am curious, you said your family owned a gift shop? Yes. So, did is you, it one we know? We've heard well, the name? it was in McHenry Village. It used to actually be downtown, called Three Sisters and a Dad. And my grandpa made a lot of the stuff that was in the story. He was a handyman. Actually, he used to own Leroy Walk Bail Bonds way back in the day. So, if you know my grandpa, or if you knew my grandpa, I always wonder why. Like, tell me that story. Because I go way back. I go way back. Like, my, they used to own uh, the Ray's Club, a bar, an empire. Uh, and they used to own, my great grandparents owned the pharmacy and empire. Like, we go way back in Modesto. So, um, but yeah, we all like work together, and so at Christmas was a little bit stressful, you know, the holidays. And uh, but I like w- was working at a very young age, and uh, yeah, yeah. learning the retail biz, and knowing that I did not want to do that when I grew up. <laughs> you know, I I had an experience with someone else who her family owned a gift shop, and she actually taught me how to wrap a present, mm. and it was one of the greatest gifts I ever got of that job. Um, was to just like there's a there's a method. Oh, I've been trying to learn how to wrap a present for the last forty years. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So we we use <laughs> so gift Amanda, bags and raffia and paper, which is a cheater way to gift wrap. Like when I actually have to wrap things, like my husband will bring home all those these geo maps he teaches our science, and so he has a lot of like topo maps. I actually use that as my wrapping paper. So my kids, like wow. when they were kids, See, that's cool. They that thought is... Santa Claus was a geologist because <laughs> 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 or a weather guy because of all of our maps. <laughs> Wow, it is, you know, and, it, and she used to do like a whole bunch of different gifts and, and it's, it's, it's a whole process. It's like a, it's a skill. It is. I used to just kind of wrap it up and like, you know, like I thought everything was a basketball. I just wrap it up in a circle. But even there, there's, I'm with you. That's there's, how I did there's a it too. way to do it. Um, and once I learned it, honestly, it's changed like called my the life. man wrap or something. Is it? Is yeah. It? <laughs> a man wrap. I know that it's man like rap. The, it's like it's like mansplaining except with wrapping paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because of like growing up and, and having to do now I'm I'm so thrifty. Like I, I reuse like newspaper, comic strips, like my kids giggle at me because I will refuse to buy wrapping paper. I, I use grocery bags, I will cut them up, I will come up with creative ways to use randomness in my home to wrap things. That's amazing. I well, next time you come in for our interview, uh, you're gonna have to through describe to us what how to gift wrap properly or, or give us like a little side episode on well follow along we don't really need do that on the radio <laughs> that wouldn't be very good radio are you point. sure I'm thinking mean, that would be not I'm sure great what, that's radio. what people are dying to hear from Amanda now we take these two corners and attach it to the other corner now take your scotch tape yep, yeah. yep. we just lost five hundred listeners just right there they walked they're just like. Next station, preset six. Well, um, before we go, do people still do that? Preset, preset six. I I have it in my car, but honestly, I don't know what to do with it. So 
I just Bluetooth in my car, but right? Yeah, it's just it's that's easier. a generational thing. I totally preset my stations. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I totally do. I got ninety one three KUOP, one oh five point five, yeah, oh one oh two point three. And do you remember back in the day it was like um ninety six point seven the Fox? Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a big yeah, deal. And and it just was like classic rock on repeat. But classic rock has changed as we've gotten older. It's not the same classic rock from when I was a kid, but I, no, they're targeting new people. Mm-hmm. I we're not in the good demographic anymore. Well, I was gonna say uh, the they're targeting Ulysses now. Well, they, are, they are, which is, but it won't last forever. But I will say that I I feel very young right now. Just by you guys talking about presetting and stuff like that. So just flipping the script, you know. There is, there is. Oh wow, I, I've been aged. I think is another common saying. Well, um, before we close, um, I just wanted to appreciate you know your 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 presence here and when we come back we're going to talk about all the amazing things that 2030 is about um and so it's it's a beautiful initiative that happened and ended january 20 2023 right um around I don't that think ending is the right word oh no 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 it's just the beginning actually yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, i meant the study was yeah all the 10 month sprint yes. co- yeah commenced in this in the spring of 2023 and then now we're coming to an end so uh, not coming tonight. We're coming to a beginning, and um, you're part the of that rocket's beginning. Been, the rocket's been designed, and now yes. it has to launch. Yeah, and, we, and we need the manual to how to launch. Right? Yeah, we're yeah. working on all of those yeah. things. Like We can keep this metaphor going all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll hear more about this metaphor after the break. You've been listening to The Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey, and our very special guest, Executive Director of Stanislaus 2030, Amanda Hughes. Welcome back to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey, and today we're joined by our very special guest, Executive Director of Stanislaus 2030, Amanda Hughes. Hi. Hi. It's nice to be here. It is, it is. Um, so as we were talking about the rocket ship, uh, it's been put together, and now it's getting launched. Yeah, you know, I, I think I want to retract. I want to go back and shift this metaphor a little bit. Okay, okay. I think that we have a vision for where we want to go. We're like seeking, like I know the planet we want to go to. Okay. And so now we're building the rocket ship and the, and we have to create the manual to make it happen. So like it, it, there's some steps, but like the Stanislaus 2030 was this, was this really aggressive process to get a vision for how to build an inclusive economy in Stanislaus County. Really, how do we ensure that there are more quality jobs and that people that live... Yeah, what's an inclusive economy? It, so, it, you know, traditionally, when you think about economic development, there's the traditional, like, we're looking at GDP, we're looking at job counts and uh, the number of new jobs that we create with no sense of quality of jobs. And so what we're talking about is uh, we care about the number of jobs and mm-hmm. we care how much those jobs pay. And we also care about who has access to those jobs. And we need to be really laser focused and understand our data to know who's in our economy and who's being left out. 
So that's what we mean by an inclusive economic development plan. Sounds like a good description of what we need Modesta, huh? Yes, it is. And you know, as our our largest city um, and as a Modesto resident, I am just um, really excited that we're paying attention to the future. And then we're not just talking about our problems in a way that doesn't have a plan for how we can overcome it. I think it's very easy when you live in a community like ours that has been historically underinvested um, to go to that place of pain and to, mm-hmm. to kind of obsess about all the bad things. And what's exciting about Stanislaus 2030 is we're, we're telling a new story. We're acknowledging that things are rough for mm-hmm. many of our families. Actually, the majority of our families are struggling. But to hear folks that sit, just like you, Chris, you're, you're a policymaker, folks that sit in positions that can actually like make decisions that can improve things, like we have a plan around this and we all have like a shared agenda around this goal. So it's it's super exciting and the momentum behind it is really as a as a resident, as a mom, as someone that was has you know been here for generations in my family, I'm super proud to be a part of this work. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it's not like um, this problem like just blossomed and we just recognized it last year. Like Modesto has struggled with it being economically I don't know, underachieving for the majority of our citizens for a very long time, you know. Um, And you can see that in our unemployment rates back Mm -hmm. in like the early aughts in the late 90s. It was like really we had significantly higher unemployment than everywhere else. Um, And now you can see it in your median household income. You know, our, our household income is significantly lower than a lot of cities of our size throughout the country and then certainly in comparison to like the Bay Area. Yeah, and you yeah. know, there's a I, I, there's a storyline for young people that they go to school here, they grow up here and they can't wait to get out. And, you know, we all mm-hmm. were like that. I yeah. my, my husband was like that, I was like that. We, my, you know, both of our siblings, you know, my husband's siblings and my siblings, none of them live here anymore. And um, I think it's a storyline that we need to change, you know. Um, in my old job at the Community Foundation where I was at for over 10 years, I had a lot of opportunities to work with young young people. We gave out a lot of money in scholarships and I, I never wasted an opportunity when I was talking to kids who were graduating here to just ask them like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, where do you want to live? And they all would talk about, oh, I want to live in the Bay Area or I want to live in LA uh, or just they would just name every community but ours. And I would ask them, okay, so why do you want to do that? Where do you want, you know, why do you want to go? And they're like, oh, there's just so much cool stuff there's so many more amenities I'm like yeah that's fair but guess what someone woke up one day in those towns and decided to make those things and what why can't you be the one that makes it happen here I mean there's and I and I had that same realization too when I came back I'm like man when I lived in San Francisco there were thousands of Amandas with Mm. way better resumes than I had but when I came home I was appreciated for what I had to contribute, that I had roots here. My my education was of value here. And there's something so fundamentally um, rewarding about being in your hometown and being a part of a solution just by being here and being in community with people that also care about this place. Yeah, yeah. And and you said, you know, there's there in the Bay Area, there's a lot of Amandas. Well, we know there's only one Amanda. She's sitting right here. Um, and. And I think the thing that's really important for those young people, and I'm so glad that you shared that with them, um, and you were asking those questions, is that we need uh, to be reminded that the need is very much here. Like, your degree does matter a lot, because unfortunately the education 
uh, the amount of, of people who have an associate's or a bachelor's degree is like 14%. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a really small number. Um, and so like, you know, one of every 10, one and a half, one of every 10 practically person you walk around and they're going to have that education. So it's a we, lot of chicken and egg though. Yeah. Right? What yeah. comes first, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of chicken and egg. And like, you know, you talk like, how do you keep people here? You keep people here by having amenities. How do you get amenities? Well, you got to have income levels mm. that can support, support amenities. Like yeah. right now, we've got a limited ability to support a lot of those mm-hmm. amenities. And you get those income levels when you have quality jobs and people can afford to contribute. And, and you know, it's That's Maslow, right. right? It's basic needs. You yeah. And so... Um, but I look at even myself. Like I, I'm working a job right now that's remote that with the, where the company is based out of state, right? Like... I probably, I not probably, I definitely could not earn the income I earn mm. here right now. Just the jobs don't exist. Yeah. But I think it's, um, you know, coming back to what you said about young people and, and t- changing the storyline a little bit. I'm really um, excited because young people are aspirational. And especially your generation, Ulysses, like there's such a cool desire to give back. Like I see it. And that's why I love like Next Gen On Board and and the um, Latino Leadership Initiative, these programs, because we're creating like we're we're building the farm team. Mm -hmm. You know, these are programs that are taking our youngest, most exciting emerging professionals and tapping them in and building out their network because that's how they can get into that next place where they can shine. And we have to ensure that that young people who aspire to do good are are plugged into opportunities for them to do that good. Yeah, yeah, and you you said something about belonging earlier and how that that is really in, important. And I think when we create those hubs, those next gen on boards, and you create those Latino leadership initiatives and other leadership programs, I think there's a big longing in our age group of of like loneliness and feeling like depressed and feeling isolated. And I think to your point, those are beneficial because it empowers the innovativeness that we have. And it also provides a community within our own city so that we can kind of move together. And and I think together we're gonna do a lot more and get it done. Yeah, and what better way to design programs for if we're trying to attract young people and we want them to stay, design with young people who may go, you know, yeah. like it's like tap into their brilliance. Like what would it take to keep you here? Help us think through that strategy and let's build it together. Yeah, and I think like as people, not just in Ulysses's, you know, generation, but the generation below, you know, below him, like the challenges I think are more difficult than my generation for sure, especially in terms of like housing costs mm-hmm. and just inflation in general. Like it is just more expensive to survive now. Yeah. And you need, to me anyway, I think like you need a more robust support system now if you want to really fly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's you, harder to launch for right, sure. Right. Yeah. And especially, I I mean, I know people in my own family spaces, um, and we can talk about this after the break, uh, where, you know, how do they access new talent development how do they access the skills they need in order to get um, move because move within their job because the job that they've been in for 10 years 15 years is very limiting of what even how high and how where they can cap out and have even a good salary if you're there 20 years you still might not even get to the $28 an hour 
that is um, a livable wage here or like a, for a good salary. And so that's really sad. And I've seen that in many different family members. And it's tough. It's like you've worked so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the cap, the ceiling has been so low. And you're so talented. And I think I'm excited to hear more about some of these programs for talent development um, and how, we're, how the community can really, you know, where they can go, what's, what's, on the, what's brewing on the stove in that kitchen. <laughs> I, I look forward to, to shedding some light on, on our ideas around all of that, Ulysses. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk more about that after the break. You've been listening to The Better Modesto Show on KFIB 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey, and a very special guest, Executive Director for Stanislaus 2030, Amanda Hughes. Good day and welcome to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey, and our very special guest, Executive Director for Stanislaus 2030, Amanda Hughes. Welcome. Thank you. So we, we just left off uh, in our previous conversation about uh, the different criteria that it takes to have a good quality job. So can you take us through what, what is having a good job in Stanislaus County? Yeah, so when we started this work in the fall of 2021 and we put together you know, a, a table, like a governance table to help us make some policy decisions and, and one of the first questions, questions our friends at Brookings posed to us is, okay, uh, what's our goal here? What are yeah. we trying to do? And they put it through the lens of, of kids in struggling family because if we're talking about the future well we need to focus on our children mm -hmm. and so um, they gave us a couple different scenarios and they said okay so if you want to reduce the the number of children in struggling families by 25 percent then you need to set a wage threshold of like 22 dollars an hour those are the, or if you want to reduce the number of struggling children in by half, then you need to have a wage threshold of $28 per hour. So you had 50% reduce the yep. struggling families yeah. by 50%. And um, I thought, you know, some of the folks in the room would be really uncomfortable with going with 28 because that's pretty extreme for our county. There's not a lot of jobs that pay that. But I was really surprised. Um, one person in particular said, why would we not set our vision higher? Like, how could we live with ourselves? Like, if we know, like, what's it going to take to reduce? Like, gosh, we'd like to do it at 100%, but we know, like, let's be a little bit realistic. And so we went with half. And I think that is a big, bold, audacious goal. And it, what that says is that if we really do want to reduce the number of children um, in struggling families by half, we need 40,000 more good jobs than we currently have. Yeah. And let me define that for you. Yeah. So based on that research, we define a good job as you're making $28 per hour. And this is all based on our local numbers. Like, so depending on the compilation of your family, it may look a little bit different if you have two working parents and four kids versus a single person, no children. Like you can make a little less and, yeah. and have a sustainable, um, uh, sustaining job. Yeah. So it really does depend, but on average, like you need to make $28 per hour, you need to have benefits, and you, and you need to be, that job needs to offer a career pipeline. It needs to lead to another good job. So then you look at our numbers for our county and what was really, I guess it's not surprising, but it always kind of hits you in the gut when you see numbers like this, is that we realize that only a third of the jobs in our county are good or promising. And we, we define promising jobs 
as it may not have all three of those requirements. It may just have one. Maybe maybe it has benefits, but it doesn't have you know it doesn't pay as high or mm. or but it or maybe it's it'll be a good job in ten years. So it's promising. It's like on track to a career. So yeah. we like to see promising jobs. And and but the thing is, like only a third of our jobs meet either of those criteria. So the rest of the jobs in our county, which equates to about you know, a hundred thousand jobs are what we just, you know, gently identify as other jobs. Other jobs. And um, so when you put that into like, and then if you look at uh, the next big graph for us is like, well, what percent of our families in Stanislaus County are living in struggling households? And it's two thirds. So it's no wonder, you know, two thirds of our families are struggling to make ends meet. And the majority of those families are working full time. So I think that really is important because there's a lot of myths that folks have about those that live in poverty. And um, it really debunked that myth. Like people are working hard. They're just not making enough money to make ends meet and to take care of their children. So it's a good, it's important for us to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can just speak from experience being part of a family that was, you know, now we have this information and data. Um, but I was part of that family. My, my both parents worked, you know, sometimes two jobs or one job as a security guard or cashier and doing all these things and, you know, working as much as they could in order to pay the mortgage, put food on the table. Um, but yet we were still low income. We were still growing up poor. Right. Um, and we still, there was definitely a lot of things that we did, didn't have access to that I was like, oh, wow. And then it was until I went to a private school my seventh grade year for one year that I was like, wow, there's people who had to do a lot of different things over the summer that include like going to other countries. And I'm like, I went to the park. It was a great time. Uh, and I love those times, but I definitely, I think it was the first time that it hit me that there is a difference, a quality of life that other kids are experiencing that I was like, huh, there's a difference. Um, but I think to the point of the stand 2030, we were struggling family financially and yet um, both of my parents were full-time workers. Yeah, uh, thank you for sharing that. I think it's important for us to understand the lived experience of most families and you really reflect that. And it, I think it's important for people to remember that when they're designing programs to try to help children and they're like, oh, well, what we need is more mentoring programs. We need more of this. And I'll never forget a mentor of mine in the county. He was very high up and he said, Amanda, what makes you think that the parents don't want to be their kids' mentors? Mm. They're just working three part-time jobs, driving all day long, trying to get you know money on the table. We have a different problem that we need to solve, and I will never forget that. You know, and I think a big aha for me is you know over the years at the foundation, we invested a lot in education. We focused on you know it started with Stanislaus Reads, which was really focused on third grade reading. Then we focused on and we expanded our horizons to uh, Stanislaus Futures and like how do we improve post secondary college going culture for underrepresented youth? And I thought we were really getting close and like coming up with some interesting you know sharing data and getting people excited. And it just kind of hit me one day. I'm like, man, we can graduate all the kids we want and they're going to have like no jobs, no, no prospects. And we're, we're missing the mark. Like these are kids that are, they're, they're not um, getting the same opportunities over the summer. Um, they aren't getting, you know, the, just the extra things, that enrichment that really does help improve the odds. And so those things come when their parents have what they need to, to thrive. And yeah. so it's really a different po- problem set. And that's what I was excited with, with Marianne Cannon at the foundation when she said, you know what, we need to start talking about economic development. 
Yeah. Well, the other thing that I was thinking about the other day was we're all on this hamster wheel. And, like, if you fall off the hamster wheel now, there's no net. Like, you just... You can't pay your rent after a couple of months. Like, you get that on your record, you're just toast. Yeah. 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 You know, and, like, now I'm fortunate and not in that position, right? But, like, it's that is so real yeah. for so many people right now. And it, It's and terrifying. It's, yeah. It is. It's terrifying. And I think because when you're living in that, and, and also everyone that works in our big systems, the problems are so complex that they show up every day, they go and do their job, but no one has their eye like above tree line to actually look and say, wait a second, we are not actually doing anything to change the variables that are making it so we have to do these types of programs. So that's what Stanislaus 2030 is all about. It's really thinking about, you know, our systems are perfectly designed to get the results that we see today. Mm -hmm. So what are the variables that we need to change within our systems to ensure that we get a different outcome and that our community gets to be a part of, of that vision that it's you said earlier about the Bay Area. So it's not other communities determining our future. We're determining our own future. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a sense of, of ownership of taking hold of our city. And I think that comes from acknowledging, hey, this is we've We've not addressed these issues. We've underfunded certain places. Now what are the things that we could do to actually make a change and like actually put boots to the ground and uh, rubber meets road and like what are those th underlying things below the tree line? But I, I, one thing before we go to our break, I wanted to, to just praise you, especially as, since you're new to the position, is that you've come, you come with a lot of experience, a lot of passion. You know, you've worked with the Sasshouse Community Foundation on so many different initiatives. And I think you bring a, such a great insight into you know, all the various, like for the kids, the mentoring pieces, you've seen different things being funded. Um, and I think that's important because I think both are gonna be needed. I think there's gonna have to be those supporting systems, those after-school programs, those mentoring programs. Um, but then, and I think you come with a kind of a bigger view of it um, but now I'm really excited because you're, I think you come with a very human perspective of like those families. You know, how are we going to touch and make a difference for those kids? You know, um, I was fortunate to participate when Homero Mejia was running Congregations Building Community. He invited me to meet with the moms in one of the Zumba classes that he ran because I was doing research for like, how do we get their kids to want to go to college? Yeah. And I'm talking about all these great aspirational things for their children. And the moms in Spanish say to me, I'm not done. I want to go to college. Mm -hmm. I never had that opportunity. Yeah. And I, I hold that in my heart because when we talk about wanting to help our kids, we really need to change our mindset. We need to help the whole family. What does it take to help them? You know, if we're talking about creating jobs, well, let's look at the families that have children and ensure that those parents have access to programs to upskill them so they can make more money. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I appreciate that, that holistic perspective on, on our community because it's, it's, it is the kids, it is the people who are doing the community work, but in essence, we're, we're help, helping support the family as a whole, uh, which is a very supportive unit and makes a, makes a life of a difference to every person who comes out of that home. And so supporting them financially, economically, making sure that they can support themselves and personally develop, I mean, I think that's, it starts one family at a time, and I think I'm excited for where we're going with this and excited to hear what are some of those projects that you're, you and we are excited to hear about. Thank you. Yeah. 
You've been listening to The Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey with a quick alarm. Nice. And our very special guest, Amanda Hughes, Executive Director for Stanislaus 2030. Good day and welcome to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey, and our very special guest, Executive Director of Stanislaus 2030, Amanda Hughes. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, this has been a really insightful conversation and I've really appreciated, I think, the honesty that you've shared throughout and I can sense the care like the just devout care that you have for the the moms and the the kiddos and the families and the hope that we have for for our county so thank you thank you and Chris you you've had some stuff wrong oh here. I've got you know, so many things going on <laughs> yeah, this, here um, this, remember we only have a limited time in our podcast why, why is that <laughs> it seems like a social construct um <laughs> It is. It is actually. So, Amanda, you you've been talking a lot about making better jobs, and I think it's amazing. Twenty eight dollars an hour is a really ambitious goal. So, talk to us about like how twenty thirty is going to get us there. Right. So, I know you had Karen Warner here from Beam Circular. So she's pretty uh, smart. Oh a little yeah. Bit smart. Uh, yeah. I, I'm so incredibly grateful that we have that brain that's from our community and that she lives here. Um, so, really, you know, the Stanislaus twenty thirty initiative has multiple portfolios of work. One is around building traded sector jobs which I know Karen kind of probably talked about, but like creating jobs where we're making things here and we're selling them outside of our region. Those are important jobs because for every traded sector job, it creates two to two to four other locally serving jobs. Like if you're selling coffee or t-shirts, like your jobs rely on these other jobs. So that's one play. And Karen's taking the lead on all, a lot of work around that, which is very exciting around building out the um, the, the bio economy, the circular economy. So um, my body of work, I'm really focused on on the talent pipeline. How do we ensure that learners of all ages and backgrounds have what they need to fulfill um, existing good jobs that aren't getting filled and be ready for the jobs that you know Karen is really looking to help create for our region. So this involves uh, strategic workforce planning, working with our local industry partners because we did a lot of interviews during Stanislaus 2030 with young people and they, they talked a lot about, well, we're going to go to the Bay Area because the Bay pays. And then we talked to a lot of HR folks at some of our largest firms and they're like, yeah, you know, we fly across the country looking for young people to fulfill these jobs that, you know, they just don't know. So there's a real disconnect that we're trying to bridge to ensure that learners understand where the opportunities are. We're like, we have existing jobs that pay really well that aren't getting filled. So yeah. step one there. So a lot of work there. Um, the other portfolio of work that we're focused on is, is small business supports and the entire ecosystem of support for small businesses. We know that businesses, local businesses are job creators and an interesting data point, we just, um, oops, sorry about that. Let me turn off my phone. My, my mother's calling me. <laughs> Another local resident. Hi, mom. Bye. Hi, mom. Um, is we know that uh, we have 22,000 businesses in Stanislaus County. 85% of those businesses have nine employees or less. 
So we have really, really small businesses. And they make up a third of our workforce, about 70,000 people. Wow. But we know that a lot of those workers are in locally serving jobs. They're, they're probably not quality jobs, maybe not even promising jobs. They're not, you know, they lack benefits. So we're really thinking strategically, man, if we could just get 5% of those businesses to maybe do one more thing to improve the quality of those jobs, maybe a little wage boost or access to benefits, how, what do we need to do differently to help those small businesses support their employees? Mm. So we're really thinking about um, access to capital strategies, uh, streamlined permitting strategies, working with our city, our, our cities across the county, and also um, the quality of the technical technical supports that we can offer. So when we think about small business supports, we're really thinking about the whole ecosystem of supports for small businesses, those that have existing businesses and those that want to start a business. Maybe they have an idea and they don't know how to take that idea to actually implement or to launch their business. So we, we've done our homework. We've actually met with all of our local chambers or most of our local chambers, Stanislaus Equity Partners, Valley Sierra, SBDC, Workforce Development, and um, several financial institutions. And we're starting to get an idea of uh, what folks are offering to understand what their roles are in the community, these organizations, and and what's missing. Like what, mm. what could we be doing differently to make sure that there's the right supports in our ecosystem and also getting a sense of um you know are we offering these supports at a time where people can access them and the language that they speak and you know um is it the right support for the type of business that they have so we're gathering a lot of information um i've been working with stanislaus equity partners on on listening sessions with entrepreneurs that they've been hosting and this is such rich important data for us because it's helping inform those that are you know that where their mission is actually to help businesses understand like, huh, maybe we need to change how we operate in order to meet their need. And what type of financial products do we need to offer that would actually help this type of business? So uh, we're really excited about the the potential. And, and part of it is, you know, there's a lot of great ideas in the investment blueprints, in the investment blueprint for Stanislaus 2030, but they're aspirational until we actually look under the hood and identify which ones do we want to push first that mm. it would have the most impact for the population of families that need the most support. Yeah. And I think like as you kind of alluded to incredible things happen when you start listening just a little bit more a little bit more intently a little bit more from the people who you're trying to serve and it does sound from the San 2030 and the work that you're doing there's been a lot of data and a lot of listening that's being done in order to to move it and I think make it even more of an enriching process and I think in a way that has not been done before. Like, yeah. you know, like you really are taking the person and saying, hey, this is, we really want to come alongside you. And I think that's the kind of relationship that I think that's going to make our city move in a better direction. Yeah, and I think one of the big challenges that you guys had with 2030 was just the amount of, it's a positive and a negative from my perspective, but just like the amount of raw material you had to work with. Like most communities our size, have some like really obvious morsels of things that you could really make huge if they're properly developed. We've got a step below that mm -hmm. where we have like raw material, literally raw material, mm -hmm. but like no actual industry supporting it yet, you know? Yeah. And, but I don't think that has to be a negative. I think it actually means like you've actually got a total black blank canvas. Hey, we had a white, lot of white space yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> You know, I want to talk to you um, off the air at some point just about like some of my passions, like developing the entertainment industry here right. um, that I have a tremendous amount of experience with, but just with some really like kind of baseline supports, we've seen outcomes like we've got 
we've got like multiple like probably a dozen comedians that like are actually like kind of knocking on the door nationally you know that just kind of developed here based on there just because here there's so much opportunity yeah and you know i think too when you think about um sectors like that part of it is about creating the enabling environment for that that type of connectivity to happen Mm -hmm. and sometimes the government can provide that or sometimes we need to support the organizations that create those conditions and so i think like that's why um organizations like stanislaus equity partners anyone that's like an intermediary that can kind of like think about and source cool projects that's yeah. in between government and nonprofit. You know, yeah. it's, well, it's uh, kind of like what the state's doing with poetry, what yep. the state's doing with filmmaking. Like there are, you know, and like I, you know, the mama association is another one, like a music association that's similar to that. And you know, place making's like, huge in economic development. Right. Those, those kind of projects that creates a sense of community. People want to be here. And when they want to be here, they want to start businesses here and right. all those other things. Right. Um, you know, I wanted to touch, um, on another, uh, you know, part of the work that really gets to, which people often don't think of as an economic development strategy, but it's it's actually something that keeps a lot of families from participating in the workforce, and that is that we lack adequate childcare for their children. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we know that uh, when we were doing this work, what was really striking for me is the data point that we needed thirty six thousand more childcare slots in order to meet our current and existing workforce. Um, that's a lot, and it's kind of overwhelming but, uh, when you think about it, but um, I'm elated to say that we've actually um, really framed the problem in a way that I will say this now, and you can call me out by 2030, but I think we can solve this. And it's rare that I can see a problem as clearly defined as this one, but we know um, that we have about, you know, where, where the issue's really on fire is for infants and toddlers. Mm-hmm. There's been some great stride in the state of California to support three-year-olds and up. Like, we've added a grade level. Like, there's just, and there's more after-school programming in Stanislaus County. Boys and Girls Club is growing. Like, these are great things. But for infants and toddlers, it's a real issue. So we've identified, okay, we need 17,000 slots for uh, infants and toddlers. And the, the greatest play we want to make is about um, really focusing on in-home childcare because that's where we want to put our babies. We want to mm-hmm. put our babies in homes. Yeah. So uh, we're focusing on investing in childcare entrepreneurs. Uh, there's a lot of women in our county, particularly, that are already providing care. They're just not making enough money. Mm-hmm. So we're focused on increasing their wages and the quality of, of their job and helping them um, give them the business acumen to start um, their own childcare business where they're, and we've actually done the research, you can make $55,000 a year net if you do it right in our county, meaning you have the right number of kids, you're accessing subsidies if you're taking care of low-income children, and you're charging the right amount. So we have a, a model to make this happen quicker. We actually have some entrepreneurs in a pilot now that we, we know that we can reduce the amount of time it takes to get licensed. We have folks in our pilot, which is 12 weeks, who have gotten their childcare license in, in under 12 weeks, which it typically takes over six months. So we know this is possible. We know it's a big, audacious problem, and we need about 2,000 more businesses to, to meet the demand, but we can see it and we know what we need to do. And we've even identified existing funding that we can realign to support this issue. So that's something that's tangible that will have a huge impact for our local families. Mm. As we close, that's at least 2,000 jobs that are that's paying 2, that That's 2,000 more jobs. Boom. It's, it's a win, 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 Chris. Love I love those. I love those. And it's a win, 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 win. Um, as we're thinking about Can I add extra add an extra win or not one more <laughs> win uh, when when we start instilling hope yes in that and and 20 Stanislaus 2030 i think is the hope 
but I think there's action behind it. And so I think that's, thank you for being part of that action and for allowing us to look to the future and be like, hey, things like childcare and good jobs are things that are in the scale and the, the scopes of reality for our county of something that hasn't been always. And so I, I appreciate you being the, in the driver's seat uh, there at Santa Claus 2030. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. And I really appreciate you investing in our community by having this podcast. This was a truly delightful experience for me. Well, thank you yeah, for, thanks for coming. Yeah. You've been listening to the Better Modesto show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host Chris Rickey, and our very special guest, Executive Director of Stanislaus 2030, Amanda Hughes. Thank you.